Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Welcome to Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. We've got a lot to get to. We've got a great show. So much from both college football and the NFL over the weekend. We got a great interview with Fox Sports insider Jay Glazer coming up later on. But let's get right to it. I'd like to welcome Travis and Joe. Joe, the audio guy. How's the audio sound, Joe? How are we doing today? Looking great so far. I mean, everything sounds amazing. Okay, looking great for audio. Great job, Joe. All right, so let's get to NFL Week 2. And I want to talk about, we got a lot of tweets, a lot of questions about the end of the Denver-Chicago game. And, and so I just want to set the table a little bit because there's a sequence of plays that take place. Denver is behind. They score a touchdown, and they're going to be down by one, okay? And which I love, Vic Fangio says, you know what? First time head coach, I'm going for two. I'm going for the win at home, Right. Typically at home, you you tend to go, you know, I'm going to play for overtime, but no, I'm going for the win. And they line up to go for two from the two yard line and they get a delay of game penalty. Play clock runs out. So that penalty now, the way the rule reads is you can have that penalty enforced. The team that's attempting the try gets the option. They can enforce that penalty from the line of scrimmage, the two yard line or the line of scrimmage for the other try spot which is the 15. So then Vic says, all right, you know what? Now, if I'm going to move back to the seven, my chances of making making that play diminish greatly. We're going to kick an extra point so that five-yard penalty is enforced from the 15-yard line to the 20. Does that make sense to you guys so far? Yes. Okay. So now Denver lines up from the 20, and they're going to kick an extra point, and they miss it, but the Bears are offside. So again... The team that's attempting the try gets the option. You can have that penalty enforced from the line of scrimmage or the other try spot. So the line of scrimmage was what? The 20 or the other try spot, which would be the two. So the five-yard delay of game penalty doesn't carry over multiple tries. 
So what Denver then did is they said, okay, now we're going to go from the two-yard line to the one-yard line, and we're going to attempt a two-point try, which, of course, they got. So that's the rule. The theory behind the rule is you don't want to allow the defense – look, an extra point from the 15 is, is a pretty accurate play. You know, it's 93 94% accurate. So you don't want to allow the defense to continue to push the envelope, potentially try to block the kick – not get called for offside, and what's the worst that could happen? We get we get a five-yard penalty. We move them up to the 10. They're going to kick from the 10. They're going to make it anyway. So you make that penalty severe to say, no, no, no. That, that penalty can be enforced from the two-yard line, and now the defense is less incentivized to, to attempt to push the envelope. That's the theory. I think, I think this will be discussed as a rules change. It doesn't happen very often, but maybe you do something like, once you make your choice, you're locked in. So you're going for two, you're locked in. If there's a penalty, you can't go, you know, you can't go to the the other try spot. I, I think that's that's like that. a potential because I don't I think a lot of people didn't like the outcome there. They felt that the five yard penalty should have been enforced, the one against Denver. But the problem is is how many times you're gonna carry it over. It becomes a math problem. It gets the the argument one of the things people argue about is the NFL rules are too complicated, right? So you try to simplify it, but it's never going to be perfectly equitable. So what do you want? Perfect equity or you want simplicity? And that's that balance. Was that the first time that that's happened? It's the first time it's happened since the try went to the fit, since we had two try yeah. spots. And so I think that always is going to be something now that generates discussion. All right. So, so then we get into, they get the two point try. Chicago gets the ball back and now they're going to, attempt to drive down the field and win the game. You get a rough in the passer called against against Nick Chubb and Bradley Chubb, which which there's two Chubbs. Bradley. Nick is Cleveland, Cleveland and Bradley is okay. So Bradley Chubb gets penalized for rough in the passer, landing on with the body weight. This was a big deal last year. Clay it, Matthews. It didn't look all that egregious. It looked more like Chubb was getting blocked at the time, and and the tackle, I think it was the tackle, had his hands on Chubb, and I think Chubb, it looked more like just the follow-through of a conventional tackle, but obviously, look, you can't stuff the quarterback into the ground. The referee felt it was enough, so now you have a 15-yard penalty, and then at the very end, Bears complete a pass. Receiver goes down. He's touched with one second on the clock. And then the issue became, did the, did the quarterback, Trubisky, did he call timeout with one second on the clock? The crew got together and determined that he did. If you watch the replay, you can see Trubisky in the background immediately signaling timeout as the receiver goes to the ground. As a referee, what the referees are taught in that situation Pass is complete. You move down the field and you lock on the quarterback. You stay with the quarterback because you're anticipating. Look, you know they're out of timeouts. You know they're going to want to call. You know they have one timeout left. You know they're going to call it at the end of the play. So you stay with the quarterback and you and you watch. So immediately when Trubisky signals, the referee should be signaling immediately. And that's ultimately what they decided that when the signal was made, there was one second, and it did look like that was the proper ruling. Can they? Can they pre-call the timeout like in the NBA where they go right when we get the ball, we're calling timeout? They can't pre-call. They can say that, and they will say that, but they physically have to signal. Got it. They physically have to signal. They'll say, look, we're going to take a timeout, but it's still you still have to, you know, I'm, you obviously can't see me, but I'm doing the timeout signal. 
And, uh, and so that's what happened. And then, and then the bears new kicker, Pinero, Pinero, Pinero bread, whatever it is, kicks the 53 yard field goal to win the game. I've, I haven't seen a football player that excited after a game. I mean, he went, he, I mean, that, that was the time of his life. Yeah. He was happy. It's guess what? It's all downhill from here. Okay. <laughs> it's all because where can he go? I mean, he could win a Super Bowl. That, with the kick, but it he is could, but so. no, but this season he's not going to have, you know, how many game winning kicks, 53 yarders is he going to make? He's going to miss a few, maybe one or two. He's going to miss a few. So, you know, we have a big, a big bears fan in the studio and he's our Goldie. He's our audio guy. So I got to listen. I'm trying to work and I got to listen to him, you know, you know, living and dying with this game. So anyway, but that, that's what happened in the bears Broncos game. So interesting situation. Let's shift gears and go to, uh, Go to the Saints fumble. <sighs> the Saints. I, I, do you I, feel bad for Saints I, fans? I do. I, I feel bad for Saints fans. And and I think the Saints are obviously, look, this is three games in a row. And, and I think this is a situation where, look, this has happened before. You have Jared Goff gets hit. The ball comes loose. Cameron Jordan picks it up and, and returns it for what looks like a touchdown. And the referee rules the pass incomplete. So, so they kill the play. They're blowing the whistle. And the theory is there that once the whistle is blown and the play is ruled dead, that you can't advance the football. And so Coach Payton had to challenge the play. It was a fumble. And, uh, and so the Saints got the ball, but they didn't get the advance and they didn't get the touchdown. And so that's a big play. Look, the game ended 27 to 9, but that's a momentum play. Obviously, who knows how it would have it would have ended had that had that call been well, especially with Breeze out. Been correct. But yeah, Breeze goes out and uh and he's out I guess what 6 to 8 weeks now. Is that the was that the uh Yeah, that's what the report was. That's we what don't the know report. For sure. Yeah, it's torn ligament in his thumb. And uh his throwing hand obviously, so that's going to be significant. So we lose Breeze and we lose Ben Roethlisberger on the same Sunday. Not Both not, surgery today. not a great not a great day um in that in that regard. But um look, that's happened before. The referee, you you always tell the referees if in that situation, if you're gonna if you see it and you're hundred percent sure it's a pass, rule it a pass. So this was the opposite of the Bengals play we talked about last week. Yeah, exactly. The Bengals play looked more like a pass, and it was a pass, but they ruled a fumble because the referee wasn't sure, and I think that's the that's the philosophy, whereas you don't want to officiate to replay, and you want to r- rule on what you see, but if you're not sure, let it go, and replay can always bring it back, and unfortunately, this one against the Saints. Look, there's no conspiracy. It just happens sometimes. Sometimes teams are on the wrong end of these calls. Over time, it tends to even out. It may even out during that same season. It may even out over the course of several seasons. But uh, the Vikings Saints fans say it's karma for Bounty Gate. Well, Football you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> that's 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 water under the bridge, Travis. You and your Vikings better, you know, keep that. Skull. Keep that exactly, Travis. Travis is a, a Vikings guy. He's also a Cowboys guy. So I don't know how that works. Um, we can talk about that another time. We don't have time today. Let's let's talk about. Two plays. Well, there's there's a play from the Vikings Packers game. Stephon Diggs catches a touchdown pass, and uh, and what does he do? He goes to the the stands in the back of the end zone, takes off his helmet, and he starts cha- he starts chatting with the fans in the end zone. So you cannot take the rule is very clear. You can't take your helmet off 
as part of a celebration, as part of a confrontation with another player, an opponent, or an official. So that's a foul. It's a 15-yard penalty. What does that mean? That means now Green Bay can say, we want that penalty on the try, not the kickoff. New rule. So this used to be only one place. You can only put it on the kickoff. Now it's the try. So what does Green Bay do? They says, we want to put it on the try. It's a big play. It's it's 21-16. The game ends, right? And, And so... This ends up being a situation where the 33-yard kick becomes a 48-yard kick, and what happens? It gets blocked. So what if that was a situation where they had to go for two? What if it's 21-16 late in the game, and now they have to go for two, and Diggs has that penalty? Now you're attempting a two-point try from the 17. That's crazy. And when you look at the percentages, last year, 30-39 to 39 field goal, 94%. 40 to 49, 76%. So, and that's just the the 40 to 49. 48 is going to be below 76%. And uh, and so your your odds drop dramatically, and that is a big penalty. It's the first time we've seen it um, in this situation. And, uh, and I think that's something to look for going forward. And in a critical situation, that penalty... Keep your helmet on, man. We talked, we talked about that on the first podcast, which we haven't aired, but before the season started, how big of a, of a deal that was, was could be. And yeah, we did a, we did a test podcast in the off season. Joe's bringing that up, which it's never going to see the light of day. So I don't know why you're talking about that, Joe, living but anyway, exactly. Living in the past, just Always. make sure the audio levels are, are correct and make sure that I'm the correct distance from the microphone, please. Thank you. Okay. So, um, look, I want to talk about the two rules that I currently, I don't like, all right. I think the NFL there's two rules that I'm not, I, I'm just not crazy about. The one is pass interference review. And the other one is the idea that a runner who dives for the goal line or for the line to gain is considered to be giving himself up. And it happened last night in the, in the Eagles Falcons game in a big situation, the Eagles were going for two and, uh, and they end up losing the game by four. So th- those two points are big ruled good on the field and uh, and then they ruled that. So Wentz scrambles. He dives for the goal line. His knee hits the ground before he's touched. The ball is short. Then it's closest to where the ball breaks the plane before he was actually touched. But they ruled a, a good conversion. I don't think they would have been able to overturn it under the old rule. But the new rule says if you're diving head first, the moment any body part other than a hand or a foot touches the ground, independent of contact by an opponent, you're down. Is that quarterback only? or No, any runner. So for years, the rule was you had to slide feet first. We've all seen it, the sure. baseball slide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you give yourself up that way, and you get defenseless player protection. You can't advance the ball. You can't fumble it. And now if you dive head first, you're considered to be giving yourself up. And that just seems counterintuitive because it's obvious he's not giving himself sure. up. Yeah, you're taking away those exciting plays of reaching he's out the ball and He's trying to diving. get into the end zone. Right. And that's... And that was just it's it's troublesome that look, I get safety and I'm all for it, but to 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 put a guy down when he's obviously diving for the goal line, it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem right. And this look, this happened to the Bengals last year. Jeff Driscoll, the backup at the time, he was in the game. He dove for a touchdown, similar type play, ruled a touchdown on the field, replay came back and uh and reversed it. And, uh, and so that's six points off the board, and, and it's interesting. And, and I would hope that the league would continue to look at that and maybe 
make maybe make a change going forward. Where do they spot the ball? Where he starts the dive? So when you dive head first, it's as soon as a body part other than the okay. hand or foot touches, where is the ball? So in the instant last night, I think it was Wentz's left knee, right or left knee. The moment the right knee or left knee touches, where is the ball? That's that's Got the it. spot. And, uh, you know, when he slides feet first, it's where the ball is when a body part, again, hand or foot doesn't count, but shin, calf, knee, once that body part hits, where's the ball? And that's where you put it. Okay, the second rule that that I, look, I it's early, but but I just don't like where we are with this pass interference thing. I, I don't, I think we're stopping the game. We're reviewing plays that, that really seem like very subjective calls. And, and I think the league has done a great job with when the call is made on the field, they have not overturned one of those. And I think the standard is very high and they've been very consistent. But but when the call is not made on the field, I think we're seeing some plays and we're starting to compare them, right? We had a play in Baltimore where the defender played through the receiver's back. It was close. It looked like P.I. If it had been called on the field, it doesn't get picked up in replay. But it's not called on the field. It's not created in replay. You know, we had a tweet, you know, even former former head coach Tony Dungy, you know, and 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 Travis, why don't you read this tweet? Because I think I think a lot of people it's early, but a lot of people are frustrated with this rule. I think he feels the same way as 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 we do. These pass interference reviews by NFL officiating are not making any sense. Clear DPIs last week not overturned. Clear push off by Antonio Brown does not get overturned, but Minnesota TD gets called back due to blocking downfield. Not sure what the standard is right now. And and look, this is not this is not an indictment on on the decision making from New York in replay. This is a tough call. This is a subjective call. You're dealing with you're not dealing with the ball touching the ground. You're not dealing with the foot touching the sideline. You're dealing with contact. Was the ball catchable? Was the contact enough to hinder the receiver's ability to to make a play on the ball? All of these things. And and I think we're seeing these plays. And I think yesterday there was a great example. You had the 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 Diggs touchdown prior to him taking his helmet off. Mm-hmm. He had another touchdown that was called back because replay went in, stopped the game, and created an offensive pass interference foul on Dalvin Cook for blocking downfield before the ball was touched. And it was confusing because the referee didn't announce the number, and he just said there was an offensive player. Obviously, we we identified Cook as the potential foul but you watch that play and he's he's immediately jammed off the ball then he turns it looks like he's trying to run around he does run into a defender is he blocking is he just standing there is it clear and obvious and i think these are things that um you know it's not the intent of the rule the intent of the rule was to prevent the egregious mistake in the significant situation well you made a good point yesterday on the air saying that too you're like yes is this pass interference yeah, it, you can argue that, but this isn't the call that we saw in the NFC Championship That's game. That's it, right. and that's where the coaches were at the league meeting. The coaches were, let's eliminate the big game-changing mistake at the end of the game. Let's let's have the ability to do that. Now we're looking at pass interference calls in the first quarter with ten minutes to go, and we're and we're we're analyzing them to the nth degree, and and this is it's troublesome because then you look at perfect example Steelers. Seahawks, you have a play, Russell Wilson rolls out, he gets hit, heaves the ball downfield, two defenders, one receiver, there's contact, passes incomplete, no call on the field. You have two 
potential fouls on the play. Wilson gets crushed. Bud Dupree hits him helmet to helmet, leaves his feet, hits him helmet to helmet. Clearly a foul. We don't call it on the field. Not reviewable. (laughs) But we're going to look at the potential pass difference downfield where there's some contact. Was he playing the ball? Was there a grab? We're going to analyze that. We're going to make that a foul for a 38-yard penalty when we've got a potential player safety issue that they can't look at. Yeah, they can find the player. What if Russell leaves the game with a concussion at that point? Exactly. And, you know, it's one of those things where it was just a great illustration of, and I, I truly believe that if you are going to make these calls reviewable, start with player safety. And, and yeah. you know, the Eagles and the Seahawks, there was a group of teams that proposed a rule in the offseason to make hits on defenseless players reviewable. And I really feel like that is the direction the league should have went. And and they should look at going forward versus these subjective calls. Look, college targeting is already reviewable. There's a precedent set there. And, uh, and, and it's, it's more objective to look at helmet to helmet contact, forcible contact versus that little grab on the Jersey. Did that significantly hinder? Was it a bang, bang? Was play? it a, yeah. Bang, well, bang in, play. in real time, that looks like a bang, bang play. You look at it like we talked about last week and play we talk about in the studio is everything looks like PI in super slow-mo. Yeah. You can, you can argue almost everything looks like PI. Exactly. And now rules, and I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, but rules are written for on-field officials to make decisions in real time. And now we're, 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 administering these rules in replay where you can slow it down and you can go frame by frame and it changes the standard. Okay, moving on. There was a play in the Tampa Carolina game at the end of the, at the end of the game. And we reviewed it for pass interference. And it was just interesting. Call in the field was a catch flag down for a face mask. And again, with this rule, it is pass interference as well. If you grab the face mask before the ball arrives, that is pass interference. By rule, it's the one situation, there are very few, but it's one situation where two fouls can be enforced against the same team during the same down. If you commit a personal foul that's also pass interference, then the pass interference is enforced, and then you tack on the personal foul. Okay. So if the pass had been ruled incomplete, then yes, I understand stopping the game and making it pass interference and then tacking on the face mask. But the pass was caught. So all we're going to do is tack on the face mask. So we spent three minutes looking at whether that was pass interference when the result of the play was never going to change. Yeah. And this is where we're in this mode of, oh, no, that's pass interference. We have to stop the game, not even thinking through the ramifications of that. And I think that's where, again, unintended consequence, and I think something that we just have to look for going forward. Um, it forces all fans to look at these things like we do in the studio. Like we see a touchdown. Okay. It's clean. You know, the player wasn't down. He, you know, you got across the goal line, but was there any flag for, for pass interference? Now you're yeah. looking for it. Now every fan has to do that instead of celebrate the touchdown for their team. It, it, it just diminishes team, the, the celebration. It's like VAR and soccer, right? I mean, right. you, if you, you watch soccer, the world cup, whatever it is, the, the goal is the most joyous. It's one of the most joyous events it's in so all rare. sports. They don't yeah. score that much. <laughs> a World Cup goal is unbelievable. The entire country is celebrating. But wait. But wait. <laughs> but wait. And now we're going to do the little signal where the referee does the, the TV signal. And, and now we're going to look at it. And everybody's like, Please, okay, no. we got to stop. Right? I got to put my, my Captain Morgans down. I got to do whatever it is. 
And this is where we are right now. And it's, and it, it is, it is concerning. Um, couple of quick things before we shift gears. I do want to talk a little bit about some stats on, on PI review. We're at, we're at 47 total reviews in replay. That's up from 34 through two weeks last year. So we're going to see the league is concerned about game time. The league is concerned about game flow. Reviews are going to be up. And, and of those 47, 16 are pass interference. Historically, the most reviews typically are catch, no catch. Well, well, DPI OPI is outpacing catch, no catch 16 to 11 right now. So, so 47 through two weeks, we still got a game to go tonight. That's up from 34 last year at this time, something to watch out for. Um, We're looking at scoring, scoring 44.1 points per game. Penalties are up, right? Penalties are at 19.3 per game up from 18.8 last year at this time. Penalties will come down. They will come down. It's early. And quite frankly, first two, three weeks of regular season, it's extended preseason, right? These, how, yeah. many, how many starters are playing in the preseason? How many teams are really doing anything? A lot anything, of teams are sitting all the guys now. Are doing anything regular season related, and, you know, other than just seeing what, who's going to be on the roster, putting in the, putting in the game plans, putting in the offense, those types of things. But they're not doing what they would do in the regular season. So this is extended preseason. It's sloppy football. Penalties will come down. Scoring 44.1, that's down from 47.1 last year at this time. And a margin of victory is at 11.6, which is still kind of high. But I think we have to, you know, again, what's the perfect formula? High scoring, low margin of victory. And I think that's where that's where we need to be. So just some statistics um, to watch out for. Okay. All right, that's NFL. Now we're going to take a break. This is Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. 
Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. All right, we're back. Good calls with Dean Blandino. Now we're going to go to Saturday, Friday, Thursday. They're playing college football. I can't wait for midweek Mac games. <laughs> Mac attack on E on. Oop, I can't say that four letter word. I was going to say another network. But Tuesday night Mac football. <laughs> wait, November? I know you're all excited about Bowling Green and Akron on a Tuesday night. I am. All right. So, Edge two- of my seat. Two calls I want to talk about. Let's go to, I believe it was Friday night. UNC Wake. End of the game. Tar Heels are down. Mac Brown is back. Trying to win again. Trying to turn back the hands of time. It's fourth and one. Tar Heels have the ball. They're out of timeouts. They run the ball. The, the back gets a first down. So we know in college at the at the end of the down, whenever there's a first down, the clock will stop temporarily, and then it will be wound. End of the end of the game, gets a first down. The runner's progress is stopped in the field of play, and the official rules progress stopped. Progress was stopped with two seconds left. He then is driven out of bounds. He steps out of bounds with one second. Mechanically, what should happen there, clock expires. Replay needs to stop the game immediately and put time back on the clock because you can at the end of the game, if the clock should have stopped, whether it's for a first down, which is a temporary stop or a permanent stop, like an incomplete pass, you can put time back on the clock. And so when the runner's progress was stopped, you go to that point, you see where the clock was, you put two seconds on the clock and then the offense is going to have to get lined up because we're going to wind the clock on the ready for play. And it's important with two seconds on the clock You cannot snap the ball and spike it in college football. You have to run a play. You can only spike. If we're going to wind the clock on the field, you can only spike with three or more seconds. So it's important. But ACC came out, made a statement, said there should have been time remaining on the clock. I believe the statement said one second um, and, and when the runner was out of bounds. But really, the progress was stopped. The play is over when the progress is stopped. And because of the first down, the clock stops at that point. All right, now one of our games on Saturday. This is this is the head scratcher play of the week. We're still looking for sponsors, by the way, out there. Murray's, <clears throat> Murray's. Um, <laughs> head scratcher call of the week. It's actually the head scratcher sequence of the week. We're expanding two plays back to back. Michigan State, Arizona State. Michigan State's down ten seven. They're going to line up for a potential game tying field goal, and they have twelve men in the formation. <laughs> So, so anybody out there, look, I get it, but anybody out there that thinks Michigan State lost because of the next call we're going to talk about, we need to just stop and end there. They had 12 men on the field in the formation. Yeah. Kicker makes the kick. Officials get together. Center judge actually throws his flag. They pick it up, and then replay gets involved. They make it a foul. So when replay, really, on the field, when you have 12 men in the formation— on the offense for three or more seconds, then you should kill the play. You don't allow the snap. It's a five-yard penalty. If the play goes, it's a it's a penalty for illegal participation. Replay gets involved and makes it a five-yard penalty, which is the proper thing, and they move Michigan State back five yards. So now we're going to line up for an even longer kick. 
What happens? They miss the kick. No flags on the field. Arizona State wins. But you watch, and we were watching it in the studio, and you have an Arizona player who's not in a state. Arizona State player. I keep saying that. I got roasted on Twitter yesterday because I said Arizona instead of Arizona State. You said that on the air. It's the same state, okay? I mean, I get it. It's two schools. All right. ASU player (laughs) who's not in a stationary position on the line at the snap, runs up, jumps over the center. You can jump a gap. And there were people trying to argue that he jumped the gap. He didn't jump the gap. He jumped over the center. Clearly above that frame, that's a penalty for leaping. It's a 15-yard penalty. It's going to result in a first down. Obviously, Michigan State would have had another chance to kick the game-tying field goal. Um, the Pac-12 did come out and make a statement and said that that, was, that call was missed. And, uh, and look, bottom line is that's a foul. That's not an easy call. And, uh, and you have a, an official in that position who's a side judge who's actually a deep wing official on normal plays. So the deep wing is the officials that are on the sideline in the, in the defensive backfield, side judge, field, field judge on either sideline. The side judge comes in and is one of the officials responsible for ruling on that play. You don't get a lot of training. You, you look at how many field goals and extra points during a game compared to scrimmage plays. And so it's a different look for that official. It's a different play. And unfortunately, they missed it. And, uh, and again, but it goes back to if you don't have 12 on the field for the first kick, it's a moot point. But again, not a great sequence. One thing I wanted to bring up, too, that, you know, people on Twitter were asking you and Brady Quinn came into the, the cube in the studio and asked us was why wasn't it leverage as well? Because the guy had hands on. Yeah. And that's a good so point. Go so leverage the college rule is you can you can basically leverage off an opponent. You could put your hands on an opponent's body and gain leverage, but you can't do it off a teammate in the NFL. You can't do it off an opponent or a teammate. OK, So that's the head-scratcher call of the week. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So really excited about our, our guest today. I don't even know what to call him. I, I guess he's an NFL insider, but he's more than just that. The guy's a, the guy's a TV star. He's a movie star. He, he's a, a gym owner. He's a foundation starter. The one and only. But basically, bottom line is he's just another Jagoff from, from New Jersey, Mr. Jay Glazer. <laughs> Jay, what's up, man? You, you know exactly who I am. There you go. That's who I am. <laughs> You know, when I, I first met Jay, quick story, I was working at the league office, and he came in and did a story on officiating. And Jay, why don't you, why don't you tell us that story real quick? About, well, I did about, two stories yeah, on officiating. Yeah. I did a real story, and then I did a fake story. And a fake story has really got me kind of in with you and a lot of the other guys. So I was working at CBS at the time, cbsportsline.com. I get lined up to do a, a story on the officiating department. And I come in there, and because – you, know, you you saw last week uh, on our show, Strand dump Gatorade on me. You know, played a yeah, joke on me. It was me. the highlight of my and week. He did that. Yeah. It was the highlight of week because he did that because I've lived to play jokes on him and you and everybody else. Like I lived to just crush you guys. So I think yeah, most of America like cheered that finally somebody got me back. So my first ever interaction with Dean Blandino was I go in the efficient department and I write a fake article for CBSSportsLine.com which was huge at the time. Um, and, and and you couldn't tell it wasn't a real article, right? It looked flawless, perfect. And how, you know, the officiating department has a fantasy football league and sometimes they'll make, you know, calls on players based on players they're playing that week. And right then I had one. We were a bunch where, of degenerate gamblers. Gambling, yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> you guys gambling. Then I had one where you guys decided who gets fined and, you know, I think there's a quote of, you know, um, you know, and it was, it was, you know, Michael Strahan this week had a, you know, whatever penalty, but, you know, we like him, so we won't find him. But, you know, Anthony Dorsett Jr., you know, somebody here had a problem with his father, so we got him 15 grand or something along those lines. So, it, you know, it's all fake. None of it's real, but it looked fantastic. Like, you can't tell it's not real. And I had Greg Aiello, who was the vice president of communications, the NFL involved, and you know, nobody else is. He walks upstairs in the fishing department and he drops these, you know, copies of the article on the table up there and says, what the hell is wrong with you guys? We let this reporter inside and give him access. Is this, this is what you do? And Mike Pereira, right? He was the boss at the time. He starts flipping out. All the, you know, officiating guys in your office start flipping out and they start pointing fingers at each other. It's like Lord of the Flies are just going after each other. Guys like, I didn't That's say right. that. Right? But who who <laughs> was the only one? Who was the only one that didn't buy right, it? Right, right, right. So, but guys, like I didn't say that. Like you did. I heard you. Like they were turning on each other. One person, one sat there and looked at everybody. Like you guys are a bunch of idiots. This is, this can't be true. Dean, I got to give you credit. You're the only one. As the great Stuart Scott would say, you're cool as the other side of the pillow. That's you're right. Great. That's right. But everybody else. They crap their pants. So, so that was my introduction to Jay Glazer. So, you know, it was all it's all uphill from there. But, uh, you know, what what I noticed about you, what I find so interesting is, you know, I've been to league meetings with you, and I've seen you interact with coaches and GMs and owners, and and 
and and other events, Super Bowls, whatever it is. And you have these reporters that are that are kind of on the outside and they're looking for information. And and so they they talk to these people. But but you're you're part of it. Right. I I see you and you're you're part of the group and you have these relationships that go that go beyond a a professional relationship in terms of I'm a reporter and I'm trying to to get a scoop. And and that's what I found so interesting. Is that was that your approach, you know, um, in terms of going into this business or just talk a little bit about that? You know, be honest with you, Dean, I'm the same no matter what. Like, love me or hate me, you know what you're getting because it's just, it's just one me. I can't, I can't be any other way else. And, and, um, yes, yeah, so I didn't play by any, anybody else's rules. I act this way with everybody because I just genuinely like everybody. That's it. And, um, you know, I like to play jokes. I like to mess around. But, yeah, I mean, I think I'm the only reporter probably in NFL history who gets a day drinking group of coaches and, and GMs together at the owners meeting. It's twenty <laughs> GMs and head coaches deep. Um, and I, I've always said, look, I'm gonna. You know, when I started in this business, I walked in that giant locker room in 1993, and I said, man, how could I be different from everybody in here? Because um, I couldn't be like everybody else. You know, I didn't have the same education, didn't have any experience, and you know, this is before the internet. And like New York is the place to be. And uh, you know, I, I looked at go, how could I be different? You know, different is the way you're going to succeed. And at the time, everybody was kind of using their pen as a weapon. I said, how am I going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get relationships. I'm going to build these relationships. And over time through relationships, I'll get more scoops than anybody else. And, and that's what happened. And thank God. But, and then the business changed. I think it was, I, I've even had, I had one person come up to me back then, cover the giant said, well, yeah, can't beat them, join them. And asking me, well, how do we have relationships with these players? I'm like, if you got to ask, you, you can't ask. Exactly, exactly. Um, but but it was, you know, now you see everybody trying to be friends and, and same thing. But it wasn't like that when I was doing this. And I got killed, crushed, murdered by everybody else in the media that I wasn't objective because I was friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, yet I had more scoops than anybody else. So and- don't question my objectivity. Look at the body of work. I had more big scoops than anybody who's, who's done it over this period. But now everybody tries to do it the same way. They all try and have relationships. Yeah, you were really the, the first one. And and like you said, mm-hmm. I, and I've seen it. You you are yourself. Whatever the environment, wherever wherever you are, you're going to be yourself. And you always know where you stand. So I've always I've always appreciated that. Um, well, I just, you know, look, we, we talk about jokes and being me. I have one joke that I do where I take people's phones. And, uh, like, if you leave your phone unlocked in front of me, you're screwed. <laughs> so I'll take people's phones. And and it's a joke I got from Chuck Liddell, who make the story later, show later. Um, but he uh, he would take people's phones. Now I've kind of turned into an art. I'll take your phone. I'll text somebody from your phone and then erase the sent text message. So you have no idea what's sent. Anything. I'll text people's wives that they're going to the doctor about certain things. Um yeah, so there's no, so nothing's the off limits. Go, the, yeah, the first time, the first time Strahan and I meet Gavin Newsom, who's now the governor of California, the first time he left his phone in front of me, I grab it. Michael's looking at me like, are you, you grab Gavin, like, wait, wait, you grabbed yes. Gavin Newsom's phone the first time you met yeah. him? Okay. Yes, first time I met him. And I went to go text Bill Clinton because I was like <laughs> the last guy he was texting. Something, whatever it was. And Michael's like, look at me, don't. I'm like, yeah. And, and I guess I think we had told him the story beforehand. And 
So I start texting, and, and as I text, Gavin Newsom turns around, no, and grabs the phone, like, oh, my God. And he's like, you're out of your mind. You don't even really know me. I'm like, I do now. And we become friends as a result. That's, so a, that's it's, unbelievable. I, I would have loved to seen what Bill Clinton's <laughs> response would have been to whatever craziness oh, you, you were going to text him. So, and Michael's sitting there like, no, no. He's like shaking his head, no, like shaking me off like a, like a, like a you know, baseball pitcher. And I'm like, shut up. He's like, don't do it. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so, so switching gears a little bit because you have so much going on. I don't know where you find all the time for it, but you ballers, you're, you're Bellator, you have the gym unbreakable and, and I've trained there and it's, it's an, it's such an interesting concept where it's kind of like a, you know, you're in, you're in West Hollywood. So you'd think this is a, a fancy place, but this is a no frills kind of no mirrors. You, you go in you, and there's, but you walk in there and there's everybody from, there's MMA fighters. There's, there's Hollywood A-listers. There's, you know, just regular people that, that are trying to get better in their, in, you oh, know, in training. You worked out with it's, so, I mean, I've worked out with Wiz Khalifa. I've worked out with Sylvester Stallone. I've worked out with Randy Couture. I've worked out with so many people at that gym, but it's such a, it's a great concept. And, and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, you know, you, you you also said there's no mirrors. There's no mirrors, because um, I, I, I what I like to do in my life is build teams. I do that with MMA. I like being. I need a team. I need a team to kind of. A team helps me with my depression and my anxiety. That's why I fought. I have a fight team, and it's crazy as it sounds. <clears throat> in the cage is where I feel safe, and after somebody beat the hell out of me, or vice versa, is when I'm. Well, I kind of have my most vulnerable talk. So I have this fight team behind me that. That I'm able to take with me in life, and it helps me with depression, anxiety. Um, so I kind of built that same thing there at Unbreakable. Of you know, it doesn't matter who you are there. You know, as you get more successful, you become Mister and Mrs. to everybody, and you mm-hmm. lose it. Mm-hmm. Your, your 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 locker room. So I, your tribe. So I try and build a locker room again, and there's no mirrors in there because I don't want anybody's back turned to anybody else in the team. So it's, the mirrors aren't there because of a vanity thing. It's there because of a team thing. Um, but yeah, we, we put everybody together and it's, uh, it's a pretty cool little concept. Like you said, you know, your workout crew, you can come in, you'll have a different workout than everybody else. Everybody gets coached. You don't just come in and work out. So you get coached and we build this family in there that, uh, you know, at any one point you can come in there and, you know, we had one group one time. It was, man, it was at 11 o'clock in the morning and the group, that group was Joe Jonas, Sophie Turner. Dwayne Brown, who's holding out from the Texans, <laughs> Luke Rockhold, who's the middleweight champ of the world, Chuck Liddell, uh, Wiz Khalifa, might have been Stallone, I think it was Stallone, uh, Nick Jonas, uh, man, Roy Hibbert, a basketball player, Milan Lucic, a hockey player. Where else in the world? Where else in the world are you going to? Where else in the world are you going to get that right. group together for anything? Yeah. It, it's the Oscars and the Super Bowl wrapped up. In it's one un- unbelievable. And and the other thing, you know, you talk about building team and 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 helping helping each other out. You're you're involved, and you really started with with Nate Boyer MVP, which which yeah. is you know your foundation for returning veterans and and merging vets and and players. And uh, you know, I've been to those meetings uh, at the gym, and it's 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 a powerful, powerful yeah. experience. And uh, and you know, so what what was the impetus behind that? And and uh, you know, what are you doing now with it? I was trying to give Nate something to do after he got cut by the Seahawks <laughs> instead of going back and 
you know, he's going back in the military. I'm like, nah, nah, let's, let's not do that, man. What's you, you came out alive. Let's not send you back. And, uh, but yeah, you know, look, obviously being around football players, my whole adult life, um, as my son's retiring, I'm hearing them, you know, complaining the same things in the transition. The transition sucks, you know, and, you know, I've trained with military guys a lot. And I've actually trained uh, military overseas and in, in, in MMA stuff. And, you know, they come home and they have the same, they voice their problems with the transition the same exact way. It's, it's incredible. It's uncanny. You know, obviously it's a different life, but their complaints are the same. You know, they, you know, they don't feel, um, a lot of them won't leave the house. They're like, oh, I'm different. Man, I don't fit in. I'm missing my team. I'm missing my locker room. <clears throat> man, I, you know, guys finish up the NFL, they won't leave the house. It's all, man, everybody's asking me, you know, why aren't you two team anymore? They're, they're kind of humiliated. And, you know, military guys, they, they finish up, they come back, they come home and, and that guy say, well, I don't leave the house either because everybody's asking how many people I kill. I don't want to answer that. And I don't fit in. I don't. I feel like I don't fit in anywhere. And so I'm like, you know, man, I'm starting to hear all these complaints. It was the same complaint. I'm like, shoot, man, <laughs> let's put these guys together. Let's complain and empower each other together. You know, we understand each other. So I created a thing, merging vets and players. Football players look up to combat vets. Combat vets look up to football players. Just put them together, give them a new team. You know, when you retire from the NFL, you don't miss your playbook. You don't miss practice. You don't miss the pain. You don't miss the hits. But you damn sure miss your 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 locker room, yeah, your team. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. And and you know, again, I tell you, me and my fight team, like for me personally, um, you know, I've suffered from severe depression, anxiety my whole life. And the one thing that helps me out with it is is my team. And I should say my two things that help me are my team and being of service to others. Like. You know, so we sit there on Wednesday nights and we put this group together. There'll be 70 guys in there, big gals, and, you know, we talk about everything, about why, you know, you should be empowered, why you shouldn't look at it like, oh, man, I, you know, I used to be great. No, the uniform didn't make you great. You're great. You know, what's behind your ribcage has made you great. Um, and, man, it's just a bunch of badasses empowering other badasses. And we talk about the heaviest stuff in the world on Wednesday nights, but Wednesday nights are the the one night in my life that I don't feel depression and anxiety creep in because it's, I am being of service to others. Oh, it's that it's, you know, I've been there. It's that sense of community that they, that they yep. have. And it makes it such an unbelievable experience. And, and I think it's amazing yeah. what, what you guys are doing. We've, we've, had, we've had, you know, a group, we started the group with about 10 homeless vets. Guys were, you know, these are guys you would never think were homeless. And they were living in a shelter. There were shelters throughout L.A., um, throughout this country. They were like homeless, like barracks for homeless veterans because they finish up. A lot of them, they got nowhere to go. It's like, And they've made no money, got no credit. Where do you go? The system's really fractured. It's very broken. Um, and it started there and, you know, is now thousands strong. We're throughout the country, different cities. I'm really, really, really proud of these guys. But, you know, any one time you can go in there and, Say, hey, how many people in here try to commit suicide? And three quarters of the room will, hands will go up. And since they've been with us, they have not tried. Since they've been with us, we've got a ton of these cats through homelessness and homes and jobs and job interviews. And they've they've helped each other. And they're now being of service to others. They're they're doing great things. And and you know we've got a crew now. When something happens, we actually deploy these guys and give them a new mission. We deployed in 
Vegas after the shooting. We deployed in Hurricane Harvey. And, yeah, they're amazing. No, it's it's unbelievable. And then last thing you mentioned, you mentioned Chuck Liddell. And uh, and and we have a story. I don't know how many years it goes back, but we were in. We went you out one story. night. I have a story. We went out one night in Manhattan. Well, Dean is a big, huge, huge MMA fan. And Chuck is one of my training partners, good friend. And we were going out in New York. This was Chuck's champion. And uh, I called Dean. We're in New York. Chuck's in. Hey, dude, you got to come out with us, right? So we go out all night long, and somehow we end up with like. Uh, it's like a bunch of Jamaican drug dealers. I don't know what the hell. Yeah, there was we we kept picking people up every every place we went to. We kept picking up more people. It was like the Pied yeah. Piper. That's Chuck. Chuck just collects people. He yeah, as scary of an individual as Chuck seems, he he's he will hang out with anybody. He is like the nicest guy in the world, like that. So he's collecting people, and we're going, and we finally end up with some after hours doing about four or five in the morning. And go ahead, Dean. So we walk into this after hours place and the guy comes up to us and, and he looks vaguely familiar and he's wearing a kind of a weird kind of outfit. And he's wearing these, these shoes, these white patent leather, white patent leather, patent alligator, leather boots. alligator boots. And, you know, Jay thought he was the mater D and the guy comes up Adam to Hammer. us and, and he was like, Hey, you know, Chuck Liddell, Jay Glazer. And, uh, you know, Hey, you guys are great. Come on, come to my table. And, and Jay was, was hammered. And he's like, yeah, tell, tell the mater D to, you know, get, get me a drink, get, go to the table. And I'm looking at this guy. No, going, I'm starving. I said, yeah. I said, Hey, somebody tell us, mate, D, get me a table. I'm freaking starving. That's what I'm saying. And I look and at the guy like, and I go, Jay, tell this guy, I'm starving. And you're like, Jay, it's not the man. I'm like, Dean. And then I start going, look at this dude's boots, man. Oh my God. Look at his boots. And he's like two feet away from us, and I'm kind of just ragging on the guy and rip, you know, razzing him in a fun way about his boots. And I'm like, can you please tell this guy, ask, ask this guy to get us a table? I'm starving. You're like, Jay, it's not the Major D. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I'm like, it's it's actually Mickey Rourke. And and so <laughs> it was Mickey Rourke that Jay was making fun of to his face. And then Jay doubles down, right? So so that happens. You double down. And he's like, so tell Mickey Rourke to get me a table and get me a sandwich. <laughs> and he did. And he did. And we end the up. Greatest, great, the best grilled cheese sandwich in the history of grilled cheese We sandwich. end up spending the rest of the night with Mickey Rourke eating yep. eating grilled cheese sandwiches and drinking mojitos. He's like, I'm going to get you a grilled cheese sandwich and a mojito. And I'm sitting there at 3 a.m. in the morning going, what has my life become? I'm, I'm, I'm eating grilled cheese sandwiches and, mojito, and drinking mojitos with Mickey Rourke. And Chuck Liddell's doing cartwheels on the dance floor, by the way, at this time. And by the way, it was only a Monday night. And it was a Monday night. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's a normal Monday night. It's a no- normal Monday night. So that's that's what you get when you hang out with Jay Glazer. You can you can follow Jay on Twitter at Jay Glazer, Instagram. Check out his foundation, vetsandplayers.org. dot org, and uh, and just you're a Renaissance man. That's all. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> And, I'm an uh, idiot. You're 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 a Renaissance <laughs> man. You're an idiot. You're all those things. And uh, thanks thanks for joining us today, Jay. Thank you, buddy. Love you, man. All right, all right. Thanks to Jay. Jay's an interesting guy. Jay has a lot of stories. We could probably talk to Jay for an hour, and uh, and we'll bring Jay back and we'll tell more more stories about Chuck Liddell and Mickey Rourke and the amount and of Sylvester name Stallone. Is just and here. but that's his life. That's what he does. <laughs> like you literally, you literally walk into that gym and it's. Demi Lovato over here and and Rich Eisen over here. It's such a mishmash 
of of celebrities and sports personalities. It's it's unbelievable. So thanks, Jay, for joining us. That's the show. Thank you all for listening. This has been Good Calls with Dean Blandino, a production of iHeartRadio. Check me out on Twitter at Dean Blandino. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.